Welcome to the Run Radio Podcast. My name's Trina, and in the writer's room, Vivian Sieber, welcome. Hello. Thank you How for having you? me. Yes, Hi. thanks for being here. So you've been writing for a little while. Tell me a little bit about your experience and everything you've been doing. Well, um, it's, of course, it's just an experience that's gone on throughout my life because it's a family history. Um, but about when my father died in 2000, I inherited this box of amazing photographs, a attache case of letters between him and my grandmother and some other people. They were just completely jumbled up. Fortunately, my dad typed his letters. Oh. His writing was awful. And my <laughs> grandmother wrote in English, which was really helpful. Um, but before he died, he'd done a survey of the girls that my grandmother had cared for when she was matron of a hostel for girls saved on the kinder transport. Uh, they were they were refugees from Vienna. My grandmother ran a cinema and the family bought it in 1915. And then they escaped in 1938 and grandmother began working in this hostel. And she'd always talked about the girls she cared for. She talked about them, that she read their letters and postcards. And what my dad did was he did a survey of them, asking what, what had happened to them. So they were now old ladies, and they wrote incredibly movingly about leaving their families as young children, adjusting to hostile life, um, and what happened to them, You know how they became, they had careers, they became mothers and grandmothers. And the final thing that sort of put the whole thing together was a trip to Vienna where we actually visited my grandmother's flat. And it was by chance. I knew the address and I just emailed all the people in the building. And we had one invitation for tea or coffee and homemade strudel. And it turned out it was grandmother's flat. And the people living in it had already been to the archive. And so they told us where to go and what to do. And I put all that together and that that became the book. Goodness, that's a lot of stuff to keep track of. I, I sometimes have trouble making sure I get my three gratitude <laughs> notes written down, but to be so detailed and, and thoughtful about future people coming back and looking at stuff, what do you think motivated him to, to do that? Do you think he was just doing it for his own potential reference or did he, do you think he planned? No, he wanted to thank the people who had set up the committee who oh. ran the hostel because it was all completely done by charity. Mm -hmm. And it was a few families that, because the first hostel was in Newcastle, was in Tynemouth. And he wanted to thank those families, not least because he'd actually lived with one of them that he moved in um, in about 1939 and he never really moved out again. He's with them throughout the war. And I mean, I knew them when I, you know, obviously when I was a child and I still see their grandchildren. At what point did you decide to start aggregating everything and collecting it for the purpose of a book? It, it was a bit random. At first, I was just trying to work out what happened. And then, of course, we had a lockdown as well. So I had plenty of time. 
and it, it writing was relatively easy it's a way of sorting out what you think and so I did some timelines I, I actually trained as a geneticist hmm. so the first thing I did was draw a family tree because actually I had no idea about my grandmother's family or my grandfather's family even this and so just working out who was who when they were born and then sadly working out where they died as well mm-hmm because men, most of them didn't survive the Holocaust. Most of them were murdered in assorted concentration camps. Was everything, all the information a surprise to you? Some of it was, yes. Okay. Um, one of the things was, that, you know, there are things you get told as a child and sort of family stories. And my father always said, oh, I was 16 when I came to England. Actually, he wasn't. He was just over 17. <laughs> it was like six weeks after his birthday. Yeah. But, I mean, that, you've got, you know, paper evidence of when he came. Yeah. Oh, and he left some manuscripts as well that that hadn't been published. Really? Yes. So that I folded them into the book. So they sort of tell his story. Uh-huh. And they sort of describe his war, which was very interesting. Because he... he he was 16, 17 when he came to England. He got a place at Newcastle University for refugees. They had 10 places for refugees. Um, and he had to get English matric in, in 10 months, which, bearing in mind, he came from Austria and he'd not really been a very diligent student. Mm-hmm. Must have been very hard. But then he just starts his degree and then he's interned. He's he's essentially arrested and stuck on a on the Isle of Man and then sent to Canada. Mm. And while he was in Canada, he kept the, well, he kept his journal while he was while he was interned. So we've got a like day-to-day record of what he was doing, which was fascinating. And then he comes back, finishes his degree, and then was the first enemy alien to serve in the Navy. They moved him to naval intelligence, and he wrote about that in some of his books. At what point were you confident in your writing skills in order to put all of that together, or was that not trouble for you at all? Um, I, I come from a university background, so although I'm a biologist, I moved from... <laughs> writing where you write very differently yes to writing um strategic strategy papers for universities so I'm quite used to writing I wasn't used to writing a history and be something long and readable Mm -hmm. but I had a wonderful editor who helped Mark Cripps so he looked at my manuscripts and said no you can't have 122 footnotes (laughs) And, and no chapters should not be fifty pages long. Oh, <laughs> so he he did, he chopped it all up for me beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and incorporated the footnotes. Do you think this was sounds like a huge project and a personal project? Do you think that you will continue to write, and what kind of writing will you do if so? Well, at the moment, I'm doing. I'm being invited to talk about the book and talk about the story because people are very interested in the in the Kinder and the Kinder transport story and the hostels mm-hmm. and actually my grandmother's cinema. 
So I'm doing talks. Um, I'm not quite sure what I want to write next. There are obviously okay. the family story like that. What's one of your favorite stories? You mean from the book or in, in yeah. life? Oh, um, I suppose because I've been lucky enough to meet some of the kinder, um, there are stories where they, they talk about, Elfie in particular, talked about living in the hostel in Windermere and being how wonderful the teachers were to them. Because the teachers were faced with 25 girls who didn't really speak English, came from mm -hmm. a different education system. In, by the time they moved to Windermere, the school was already full because they'd already moved a lot of children out of cities because of bombing. And yet they took them in and teachers gave Elfie sort of extra classes after, after school to help her get school certificates. So I think it's, it's the stories the girls told. What else really caught your attention when you were going through all of the notes and how did you were you worried it sounds like your your father was very thoughtful and dated a lot of things but were you worried about the timelines at all did you have to go through those a lot yes um, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I, my, my actually my sister started it she she started um a timeline um just I think she started it in word and we we just kept on adding it to it as mm. more and more papers came up. So it started with, you know, great grandparents born in Bruno, such and such a date. Okay. And then, I mean, there was was an aunt that I discovered quite late on that I hadn't realized I'd got that aunt. I mean, great aunt. So we just, I, I just kept adding to this um, word document. It's quite big now. I'd say. <laughs> You know, using I, I'm very fond of purple, so I use purple to sort of show some of the new new bits. Okay. I mean, if you're going to ask me if I would do it that way, if I started again, knowing what I know, I think the answer is probably no. Yeah. I, I'd probably be much more careful about how I collected my my resources. Careful and in what how aspect? I collected you... them. I, and because I've worked with, I've had worked a lot with librarians. Oh, okay. I learned a lot from them. So I was very good at the reference managing and things like that. Yeah. And I tended to put everything in into the reference manager. Have you ever thought about helping other people organize their their stuff and notes? I'd love to. I mean, I, yes, I've done that with students. You have, yeah. Um, yes, no, that, that's. It's quite a fun thing to do. Oh, it seems like such a daunting task. What what kind of tips would you give to anyone that is wanting to start archiving and noting stuff that they have found from their family? Be very organized. <laughs> yes. Um, and find a system that works. So with all the letters that I'd got, there was, I mean, you just imagine a great big small suitcase of letters, random. Yeah. Not all the pages are together, so you have no idea what's going on. And I just put them in transparent sleeves and where I worked out the date and I wrote little notes on the outside and I used coloured dots to show me who was worth talking to who and things mm -hmm. like that, which meant I didn't have to keep going back to that every letter. Mm -hmm. And that was a sort of, that was quite a crude way of doing it. Yeah. 
and the, the, the family tree was really useful. And was it you, was it difficult to track down people that you wanted to talk to? Well, no, because the, the people I wanted to talk to were the kinder, the, the old ladies from the hostel. And my dad had very thoughtfully left me a list of their contact details. Oh. Now, of course, very, sadly, very few of them are left. Mm -hmm. I mean, one, amazingly, um, the address I had was the Isle of Wight. Mm -hmm. And she, when she finally rang me up, she'd moved from the Isle of Wight 12 years earlier. She's in Wimbledon, London now. Mm -hmm. But either the person who bought the house or the neighbours just sent it on. That was very lucky. I mean, of course, some never replied. Hmm. Have you ever thought about trying to go back and and follow up to see if if anyone would respond now or maybe someone else intervened and got, you know, the message that didn't before or you kind well, of done with that chapter? What what no, what's happening is that the children I mean, the grand now grandchildren. Yeah. Um, we're sort of making contact with one another. Yes. So, so very, very lovely. I've had lunch with two of the two of the kinder's daughter, uh, granddaughters. Nice. And you know, we go and I had we 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 go and see Inga, who was the youngest of the children. She was only five and a half when she came out. Um, she's 90 next week. I mean, yeah. I mean, we had lunch with her last week. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And the BBC picked up part of the story. So there are the, the BBC Newcastle podcast called The Girls, which mm -hmm. is the history of the Lost Hostel. And they found an amazing number of people. Oh, wow. You know, both locally in Newcastle and all over the place. Was there any one lesson or something profound that came out of all of this for you personally? Well, yes. I mean, the the what it started as like a detective story, like let's work out what how what happened, um, and it sort of the but the people became real. During you know, as you find out more about them, so to some extent, the tragedy of those that were killed becomes even greater. It's no longer, I mean, yes, it's very shocking when you can get everything off databases now. So when someone's, you know, my great aunt Zelma, who had the cinema with my, ran it with my grandmother, um, she died in Theresienstadt. And just one night that, you know, her, her death certificate popped up on my screen. Now that's quite shocking, mm. but of course, I always knew I had a great aunt Selma, but I didn't know anything much about her. Mm -hmm. You know, I now know that she was much, you know, quieter and less flamboyant than my grandmother. You know, and, and that makes the tragedy more real, if that makes sense. Um, you've mentioned a sister. Did you have any other siblings, living siblings that helped? In I, this I've process? only got one sister. You've got one sister. But my Who's... husband was wonderful. He yes. was totally patient and put the computer back together and, you know, carried bags and checked the manuscript and did lots of everything, really. Wonderful. Sounds like you had a great support system. What else would you like to share about your process in writing the book or your research? 
Well, the other thing I did was I emailed, um, there's a local museum in Vienna for the for the district where the cinema is, and I emailed them. They were closed when we were there. And two, I got a very quick reply from the conservators of the Jewish database, Helen and Heinz Rupertsberger. And they were completely wonderful. Mm -hmm. And at one point I, I emailed and said, how can I find out what happened to the cinema after the war? And I, I was hoping they'd say, well, you go to this archive or, you know, this is what you do. But two weeks later, I got an email with um, a timeline in English. Um, and Helen had photographed 120 documents and put them in Dropbox for me. So they'd like been to the archive, worked it all out, and they've answered all sorts of stupid questions. And it, it was an enormous privilege to meet them last year. And um, they've just been so kind and helpful. I have to say the the Austri the city and state archive in Vienna have also been wonderful. They sent huge packages of, of papers. Oh, wow. Free. Mm -hmm. um, so that all that's been really good. Very good. Tell people where they can go to connect with you and buy your book. You can get, it's called Kino and Kinder, and you can get it on Amazon or at your local bookseller. And it's looks like that. It's got... 80 odd original photographs from the big box that I found in the corner. Oh, goodness. And it's my name, Siva, spelled S I E B E R. All right. And did you self publish this or did you work with someone? No, I worked with a publisher, I worked with I2I Publishing, who've been really supportive and helpful. Oh, and provided Mark, the editor, Mark Cripps, who was endlessly patient. Wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing your book and your story with us and come back anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye now. Bye.